kind of feel like we we missed we missed halloween the boniest time of year yeah i feel like we really left a lot of money on the table there um <laughs> and not sort of really playing up you know what the problem was is that i had a little something called ass surgery scheduled on the day uh before uh, after no the day yes the day before halloween <laughs> which also uh is the day before our recording day so to exercise the demons out of your butthole yeah exactly uh, so I was not really, and I, I wasn't thinking about, uh, all of the, uh, great content opportunities, but now, mm. uh, we are on the, uh, Halloween, uh, <laughs> if you like, the All Souls Night, the, the Devil's Night, if you will, or Hollow's Eve, anyway, of, uh, America, uh, falling, uh, to, uh, I've read an article in the, in the Times that says America, uh, as our, its corporate and cultural establishment has already fallen to the radical left, uh, and now uh, the, rest of, the rest of it is about to as well. Uh, so uh, the Times of London, uh, keeping it very regular uh, on the eve of a Joe Jorgensen victory. Hmm. Who is Joe Jorgensen? I genuinely don't know. Uh, I think that the real answer is that uh, she's basically going to be posted about by 4chan weirdos like Deborah Messing posts about Jill Stein and Susan Sarandon. Oh, okay. Um, li- libertarian, right. Yeah, yeah. she's the libertarian third party that uh, the, a lot of the Trump weirdos have now started obsessing over as the person who basically spoiled the, uh, the Trump train. The, the penny, the uh, Indian head penny that was placed on the track of the Trump train <laughs> caused it to massively derail. Oh, no. Yeah. So uh, uh, she's one of these people who doesn't think her boyfriend should have to sit in a car seat. Well, <laughs> that's right. Um, but additionally, uh, yeah, I'm already seeing posts. I'm already my, my post radar is already pinging <laughs> uh, with. Uh, yeah, ping. It makes that noise when um, a, a some like, you know, Pepe or Groiper weirdo. Uh, starts posting about how uh, third-party voters on the right don't actually care about the fascist ethnostate project and should just fuck (laughs) off. Oh, perfect. So I hope we're all ready for uh, the next four years to be exactly like sort of what, 2008 to 16, uh, but with shadows of 2016 to 2020 in them. Mm. Um. So everything is going to be, all the culture is going to be the same, but it's going to be uh, much worse because it's going to be filled with a sense of foreboding. And also the, the, the right is going to, like movies like uh, 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 Range 15 or various sort of, you know, um, Christian rapture films or whatever, those are movies of a, made by a triumphalist right. I want to see uh, just like um, move, sort of all of the... Sad, defeated right. Well, I want to see because if you think about right, if you think about things as as a mirror image, as, as sort of opposed dualisms, then the last four years has seen sort of let's say cultural liberalism try to have a reckoning with itself. The plots of all the Avengers movies and stuff—that's sort of I, I think 
a, a lot of that is all just like metaphors for you know how disgusted the uh the sort of um uh, directors and, and 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 writers and stuff behind those movies are uh with uh trump and so on all all it's very thinly veiled um those superhero movies and it all has to be very didactic and meaningful because it's the sort of last redoubt of of a sort of cultural liberalism as you know movies and books and so on and there's always been this very considered um movies about having depression or overcoming the blah 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 um i'm interested to see the sort of fringe right culture start to be about that so like we'll have the black rifle coffee company guys make something that has the same tone as bojack horseman Mm. um but so it's like uh like bojack horseman but he's a troop you know and I'm, i'm very interested to see what what this kind of what four years of right-wing cope is going to produce before it then produces a much more competent fascist who undoes the like one or two things that Biden is, of course, able to do uh, well. Oh, sorry, Jorgensen, I mean, <laughs> is able to do well president. Uh, Bojack Cavalryman. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Yeah, it's good. It's, um, it's going to be that. Well, the important thing is that we somehow managed to get the, the Halloween episode of Bones. That's I, that's true. I forgot what we were talking about for a while. I was sort of yeah. lost in my own thing because I was given a lot of tramadol by my <laughs> surgeon, <laughs> and he was right to do it. Oh, yeah, I've, right. I've once again I've assumed that the surgeon was a man. Uh, the surgeon, sorry. the surgeon was indeed a man at this time. Oh, dude's rock. Yeah, okay. That's right. He's a, I, I asked him why he became a proctologist, uh, and he said because <laughs> people are often very happy to see him. Uh, and uh, he, you very rarely lose a patient. <laughs> I guess so. The stuff you're working with is pretty far away from all the vital organs. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 working. You're playing with uh, you're playing with house money when you're a proctologist. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, My goodness. Yeah, we did talk about the Halloween episode of Bones, huh? Yeah. Um, we somehow managed to snag. The Halloween episode of Bones, just around the time of Halloween, um, which is a real pleasure. We did, of course, have Halloween here. I know that. Um, I know that it's it's hard sometimes. You you want to you want to talk about life. You want to keep it real, but you also want to be considerate of all of the people who are going through uh, various lockdowns and cities with peaking numbers of coronavirus cases and everything like that but i do live mm-hmm. in a very very sheltered little corner of the world um with no active coronavirus cases um luckily melbourne has been has got their cases down to like zero and one for the last couple of days you know which is very good and they're starting to open up and everything but here we've been we've been very sheltered and everything for for quite a while so it means that there are a lot of things that we're allowed to kind of do business as usual. So we had Halloween. Um, mm. I I was feeling a bit poorly, a bit under the weather, uh, but still. So I, I, I got some uh, I got some cold and flu medicine. You know the kind with like the pseudoephedrine in it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, so you're, because, you're yeah, you're doing a yeah. you you want to get like you you want to beat your, your cold and flu. But you also want to spend like nine hours cleaning your house. I get you. Yeah. Well, also because once you take that one out, then there is no point in the medicine. I have no interest in the medicine uh, because I needed to like stop my nose from running. Uh, I needed to make me not feel so much like shit, basically. So the the main product that 
people buy here in Australia for that is called Codrill. Codrill Cold and Flu. Soldier okay. On with Codrill used to go the ad. Um, and then at some point they said, hey, now when you buy Codrill, you will have to show us your driver's license and we will take it and put you on a register so that we can make sure you're not buying it too yeah. much and having uh, too much fun. Is that, that's, why, that's why that fascist changed his name so it sounds almost like the medicine. So he could be like, no, I'm just, it's my, my company. I'm, I'm called Blair Codrill, if you say it fast. <laughs> <laughs> See, the things I remember from Bunta Vista. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, please carry on. So I went and got my interrogation and then um, from, the, from the fascist <laughs> overlords, <laughs> uh, went and got, got my, my little interrogation. Then I had my medicine and so I was taking some of that. Um, we, we've been doing a thing where um, because because we live in Australia, so Halloween is not like particularly a big tradition here. It has been getting bigger over the over the last however many years, mm-hmm. um, because kids are just really into it. Kids love it. They love yeah. trick or treating. They love putting on costumes. Um, <laughs> they, they love trick or treating for Codrill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everybody, take a handful. <laughs> don't be shy. Um, don't have too many at once, so you make yourself feel sick. Uh, so <laughs> it's like a gummy a gummy pseudo ephedrine so it's um yeah it's it's not like a, a big thing here culturally but at the same time kids really enjoy it and um i find it very insufferable the people in australia who like to do the whole like it's an american holiday we shouldn't be doing it here it's like well it's not a real thing at all anyway uh it's totally fine and also it's just Kids having fun. Chill out. Uh, it's not like if we started doing like Thanksgiving, I would think that was weird. <laughs> we, <laughs> if we started doing Thanksgiving and talking about the pilgrims, I would be like, very strange. But this is literally just kids get to dress up in costumes and get some candy, you know. Um, but because it's not like a, a huge thing that's been around forever here, it means that the rates of participation are varying depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So when we first moved to the city, uh, we Elna was looking on the internet and she saw, hey, there's a neighborhood sort of, you know, relatively near where we lived. Um, and they get all the houses that are participating to sign up. And then they do a Google map and they put a little jack-o'-lantern on all the houses that have said, yes, we are participating in the trick-or-treating. Um, and that way you can just go to those houses and not hassle people who, who don't want to be involved, you know? Um, so we went and did that and that was fun. Lots of people out and we went and did it the next year and there were like way more people out and we were like, oh, all these people have come from other suburbs here, just like us. (laughs) We felt bad. We were like, oh, all these people are like putting effort into doing a thing for their community and kids who live in their area and we are just being parasites. We are coming from out of town we are outside agitators in their halloween celebration so you were bust um, in and yes <laughs> pouring off the buses mm-hmm. um overturning cars demanding a snickers and they, <laughs> that's um, what the black block wants yeah <laughs> they want full they will, the black block have come into the have come into this suburb of canberra and they want full-size candy yeah a candy necklace these things taste like shit Oh, brick through the window. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm going to tell my street medic on you. 
So, so oh, like, damn, we felt turns out she was just another, just another girl with big boobs who's pretending. <laughs> what do you mean it's a nurse costume? <laughs> Grossly irresponsible officer, I would like to report. What do you mean it's a police costume? <laughs> and on and on. I feel like be- because we've gotten delayed from doing the Boney Island Whitefish for a few weeks, we're cramming a whole bunch of, um, of things that have happened into the intro for this episode. Because we never got to talk about the, like, that one week where those socialist gun girls all hated each other and accused each other of being fake street medics and they were never heard from again. Oh, God. Uh, Anyway, that's That's going to be... That's a whole thing, all of the... Yeah. Whatever your politics are, but make it sexy. Yeah. Boring and annoying. That's a thing. Anyway, I'm just I'm just basically now uh, running through the back. I'm, I'm thumbing through this thing. It says back catalog <laughs> of stuff that's happened. I've got a couple of, of half moon reading spectacles all the way down my nose. I'm carefully <laughs> licking each thumb and turning the page to see where I can shoehorn in something that we're really behind on getting on the desk. Well, you keep your finger on the buzzer. Yeah, that's right. Um, Wait, I'm, supposed to, I'm supposed to have a buzzer? <laughs> supposed to buzz in when you... I found one. Um, <laughs> Sorry, please, so, please carry it. Your outside agitators so, busted full-size Snickers. So we felt bad. Um, we, we felt like we were taking advantage of the effort these other people were putting in. And we thought, hey, why don't we try and start doing this in our own neighborhood? Um, so what we've been doing for the last couple of years is... Um, so on, like, the day before Halloween, um, my wife prints out, like, a, a bunch of little notes saying, hey, we're going to bring our kids around and do trick-or-treating. Um, and she prints out a bunch of notes and gets like, um, you know, little jack-o'-lantern balloons and mm-hmm. goes uh, and her and the kids go up and down all of the houses in our street and pops one of these in everybody's mailbox and saying, hey, we're going to come do this thing. Um, if you if you want to participate, if you want to hand out some candy or whatever, blow up the balloon and stick it, you know, on your mailbox or out the front so that we know. Uh, and if you don't, don't do anything and we will fuck off and leave you alone. Cool. And um, so, so we've been doing that and people in the street are really nice. You know, we've got a lot of older people in the street and mm-hmm. oh, they so go all candy. out. Well, they, 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 no, they go nuts. They make like party bags for the kids. They uh-huh. make like, like little, whole little rigs for them. They put together a whole, they're mixing in like candy and toys and going nuts, you know. Oh, that's so, very exciting. Well, yeah. I, I, we, I that, would have thought it would have been more like, here's an unwrapped peppermint. We used to have to share yeah. this in the 40s. Is it a hairy mint I found under the couch, you know? <laughs> um, but no, instead, people are people are really nice. And I, I think in general, like a lot of older people just like seeing little kids have fun and and be engaged in something, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so and it also means that, you know, we only go to like half a dozen houses and they both have like a great big bucket full of candy. That's exciting. Uh, yeah. So so we did that. And this year we also invited... Um, a bunch of other parents uh, with kids that uh, go to our kids' school and stuff like that to come around afterwards and have a Halloween party at our place. So Eleanor did a whole bunch of food. She did like a she did a I don't know if you saw a picture of this on Twitter. <laughs> she got like a um a styrofoam like mannequin head and uh like turned it into a a Hellraiser meat snack thing. <laughs> Oh, I did oh, see yes. that. Yes. <laughs> she I did was doing see that. that. She was was doing all kinds of stuff. You guys are really taking Halloween seriously. Fun, spooky stuff. She declared this year, she was like, I'm very into this. 
we're, from now on, we are doing a Halloween party every year and it's going to get more elaborate every year. It's basically, it's going to be my parents with Christmas decorations, but uh, it's going to be us in Halloween. Um, and so this is all good, you know, and we had a bunch of other parents around and all the kids were swarming around like locusts together all in and out of the yard and everything. Uh, we were having some, some beers with these other parents and I forgot that I had eaten a bunch of that medication. <laughs> um, <laughs> before uh, I started. It all comes back around. <laughs> this is, I, lo- I, I love your sort of your stories of how you've been doing because... Whereas I tend to go event to event to event to event, like an episode of Bones, you'll sort of start several threads, and then as we go through each of them, we'll realize that they all join up towards the end. I'd forgotten about the pseudoephedrine. Oh, it you know? all comes back to that, because all of a sudden, I was at the Halloween party with the other parents slurring my speech and running into stuff, and... <laughs> Oh, I like, um, I made my dad a coffee at some point in the evening because my parents were there. And, mm-hmm. um, and when I got up in the morning, I was like, I cannot find half of the pieces of my coffee maker, which is <laughs> gone. Huh. You, you, you gave them out, gave them out to kids. I, I assume I like threw them in the bin somehow, maybe. Yeah. Um, of course. Yeah. I just, I totally forgot this had happened. And at some point when you got like enough kids screaming, you're just like, I need a stiff drink of liquor to relax me because parents don't like it uh, when you say, shut the fuck up to their kids <laughs> uh, in front of them. So, you know, you got to relax yourself by whatever means. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely had that sensation when I went to bed that night of like lying down in bed. And, you know, when you've had way too much to drink and the room is spinning. Uh, no, I don't. I've never happened to me. Never uh, felt that never, feeling before? I have never, I've officially never felt that feeling before. Uh, I always know my limits uh, and never uh, <laughs> drink beyond them. And that is... Not once have they been exceeded. And that is the official, uh, there's the official statement. Yeah, I, um, I had that sensation when I lay down and remember thinking, weird, I totally didn't drink that much. And it was not <laughs> until the next day that I started like, um, you know... Sticking red thumbtacks into a board and tying string mm-hmm. between them. Eventually, dropping your coffee cup. <gasps> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You're just dropping your coffee cup because you were super drunk, but you saved yeah. because you had a realization. Name is Codril Soze. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Blair <sighs> Codril Soze. So you know, it was a, but it was a good, uh, it was a good Halloween experience. You know, it felt like we were doing a doing yeah. a nice little community thing, hanging out with some other parents and their kids and stuff. It was nice. I think you had a way better nice. Halloween than I did. Yeah, I think so. Yours was a lot truer to the experience of, say, a movie like Saw. Yeah, well, um, yeah, Saw, where you get a voluntary, medically necessary surgery. <laughs> 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 and, then are, are, and then are given a bunch of painkillers to make sure that you're comfortable when you spend the next four days playing Ghost of Tsushima and then realize, oh, shit, I've got to watch Bones for tomorrow. <laughs> I did, I did see a lot of Ghost of Tsushima um, trophies popping off on PlayStation. Oh, under yeah. Under your name. If, uh, friends, if you want to be PSN friends with, uh, with Andrew, all you have to do uh, is make a podcast with him. And then he'll see all your PlayStation <laughs> achievements. That's right. I, uh, I got the PlayStation achievement of finishing Cuphead. Yeah, I, I've been seeing your Cuphead achievements pop off. Yeah. You and Lucy, or you've been subjecting Lucy to Cuphead. Lucy bought Cuphead. She yeah. inflicted that pain on herself. She bought it and installed it on my PlayStation. Mm. 
Um, and then I, I, I got into it. Finished it. I beat the devil. I have 100%ed that game. And uh, much like you yourself have never exceeded your limits, um, and that's the official statement, the official statement from me is that I am pretending to not, not to know that you can exceed 100% in your completion <laughs> of the game Cuphead. <laughs> that's right. You've, you've had everything in the cup and will not be checking the saucer. That game does not need any more hours of my life. That, yeah, is, that's right. that is how I feel about it. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima needs many more hours of my life, because even though it's been, it's been said that the gameplay gets repetitive, it's repetitive of being a super competent samurai who's able to like dispatch five to eight enemies without getting a scratch on him in cool ways. So if, that, if, the, rep if the repetition is that, fine. It's copy-paste, yeah. baby. No, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with uh, just cool power fantasy in a game. That's what it's all about to me. Yeah. Uh, Why so else hey, would you even play them? You speaking know? of a cool power fantasy, shall we talk about the show Binds? I was going to say, speaking of ghosts and um, Shall we talk about devil, Breakfast Update, actually? And even witches. Uh, well, then, I agree. Yes, let's quickly do a... Breakfast update. <laughs> uh, I have muesli uh, with oat milk uh, because I forgot that it was daylight savings time and I woke up half an hour into when we were supposed to start recording. So today was a bit of a flubbed breakfast update. Um, the only thing I can really say about it is that the bowl is a, a very nice um, bit, bit of pottery. Uh, it's it's um, yellow uh, with white and black flowers on it. Uh, and I, I quite like that bowl. Andrew. Oh, hold on. I'm just getting some feedback about your breakfast update. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, boo the, boo the clock company. It's the clock company. They boo did daylight the savings cats. time. Boo the fat cats at the International Time Center. Uh, I had a toasted sandwich in my, my sandwich press the sandwich grill thing uh two kinds of cheese vegemite butter on the outside and it was good nice uh nice multi-grain bread nice and crispy on the outside uh it was pleasant mm. it was good to me simple simple rustic working man's breakfast <laughs> toasted sandwich <laughs> the toasted sandwich we're both having really simple breakfast this uh breakfast updates this morning we gotta yeah. make sure we a, do uh, I had a very satisfactory coffee um, with my coffee machine, with which I have just installed the replacement parts that I ordered. Uh, yes, online. <laughs> of course. Oh my god, it's all coming together again. <laughs> um, we, I'm going to make sure. I'm going to try to really, you know, do a, a real, a real dinger uh, next week for breakfast update. Well, if we're if we're rolling through the dinner update, once we are done here, I will go and heat up the old uh, barbecue so that I can grill a big. Uh, flank steak that I've had marinating in the fridge overnight. You're constantly grilling. This is the the summer of grilling. It I've is. been I've been really leaning into it. I've been getting all my ducks in a row for the last couple of months, and that's what I'm going to be. That's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be cooking outdoors because it does. It makes a big difference in the summertime. A huge to difference. Not be running your oven inside uh, when it gets to the very hot part of the year. If you can avoid cooking dinner by, like, running your fan-forced oven um, in your very small house for an hour, great. 
you know, fantastic. Take that heat outside, baby. Stand there with a beer and do some chicken wings or whatever. <laughs> so we'll be doing a big steak tonight. A bit of mac and cheese, a bit of broccolini. You know? Oh, God. I, w- I really want to come to Australia just to have one of your famous dinners. You could have as many dinners as you liked, you know? That's right. Well, hey, don't, don't, ask, don't invite me for that because otherwise I'll be like, well, time for dinner number 300, which you technically <laughs> said I could have. I've been sure. here for I've been here for as many days, and I'll be continuing to have dinner. Uh, you've summoned me into your house like a sort of munchkin in a fairy tale, mm-hmm. and now I live here. And this should be a lesson um, to the children of Australia to not be too hospitable to strangers, like some kind of twisted vampire who lives off people food and eventually <laughs> dies. That's right. I'm a special kind of vampire. <laughs> sorry, so you that... invited me in, blah. <laughs> so wait, that th- you're saying that vampire is just a bad house guest? Yeah, essentially, a bad house um, guest. And instead of a glamour, um, you just get um, cast a spell of excessive politeness. Bad house guest, but very respectful of the conventions around being invited. <laughs> That's right. Strange. So. On from Halloween to our witches in episode 20 of season 5 of Banes, the witch in the wardrobe. We have a bones count here of 19. Yeah, back up. We are getting back up, baby. No, this episode has everything. It has a high bones count. Um, it's got a, it's got an, an, it's got a perfect crystal method drop. Um, supernatural concept. It's got, it's got Prius. It's, yeah, it's got it's got Toyota business. It's got um, it's got red herrings that are never revisited. Mm-hmm. It's got red herrings that are never revisited, and uh, at the risk of being a spoiler, the murderer is uh, it's got oh, it's got a whole subculture that's explored on the basis of here's what I reckon, and then uh, the murder is done for inscrutable, unexplained reasons that are basically not set up and don't have and have no grounding in any character it is perfect it is perfect (coughs) uh we begin our episode at a at i guess the remains of a burned down cabin um (gasps) luckily there is a perfectly preserved wardrobe right in the middle of this burned (laughs) husk of a house (laughs) exciting A, a perfectly preserved wardrobe looks new unfire damaged and then they open it and what's in there it's a fully dressed spooky skeleton. Also perfectly preserved. Ooh. All of its hair is fine. <laughs> All of its hair is fine. It's wearing a white dress that also is, looks new. The the camera effects when they open it make it look like it's moving and then the firefighter goes, "Oh." <laughs> oh. Skeletini. Like, I ain't never seen one of those before. <laughs> Hey, you ever get freaked out? You remember that one of those is inside you? <laughs> <laughs> Will you shut the fuck up? Will you shut the fuck up, Russ? I'm not trying to get spooked over here. <laughs> oh, it's a big, uh, big circle around the house mm-hmm. uh, that is dusted with a fine powder. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> uh, so, so basically, immediately they go, "Wow, that's spooky," and then. Bang, the whole crew's here. They're here yeah. to investigate. Again, why? Well, why? The, the sheriff briefly explains it when they, when they say, oh, you found some bones or whatever? And he says, that's why I called you folk. 
I'm like, how the fuck did you even know about them? <laughs> Everyone knows from the show. Um, th- there's also a moment where they're walking up to the house and there's a whole bunch of like spooky crows um, mm-hmm. cawing ominously. Mm-hmm. And the sheriff says, uh, those are crows you city folk might not be familiar with. Oh, sorry. I was too busy sipping, sipping my uh, boutique sexuality latte to understand what an animal is. So I was driving my uh, electric vehicle into a sex change surgery. Yeah. Sir, I don't I, know what a crow is. I don't have time to know what crows are. Yeah, I'm too busy at my financial pervert factory. <laughs> 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 in order to know, in order to know, in order to understand the, the the wisdom of you simple country folk, excuse me, another latte martini. I was too busy delivering Jeffrey Epstein's eulogy, sir, to learn about crows. <laughs> oh, so you took crow class? Well, I in my <laughs> in my six figure job with my four foot tall hair, I don't. I, all I do, the only bird I know is the ortolan, which I'm eating for three meals a day. <laughs> so um the the crew gets in there then they say wow that is a spooky skeleton you were right uh, <laughs> ah, oh yes i confirmed it is spooky they also have a discussion about like uh, about the law which indicates the theme of the episode of the b plot of the oh, episode which is God. about following the law so fucking, then that's another perfect bit of bonesery of just running a plot out and then just going, whatever, who cares? Yeah. So, um, you know, they have a bit of a look at this thing and they say, oh, scary. It looks like a, looks like a witch. Oh, it's and skeleton. Go, you mean it's a witch? Yeah. And then, <laughs> um, that was awesome. It was so cool. They're like, ah, it's, it's a witch. It's a witch. And I was like, crystal method, crystal method. But they don't play the crystal method yet. They don't. They keep you hanging for a minute there. And now, again, this is a completely burned out, flattened husk of a building with like a little bit of a little bit of like framework skeleton around it. Oh, 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 oh God, it's a dead house. The, be- the beams are the-, the beams are the skeletons of the house. I'm fucking spooking me. Um, <laughs> Just walking, a- walking around on a construction site, seeing an, in- an under construction house and assuming that it's dressed up as a skeleton. God. Um, so, like, Booth walks over into the corner and just, like, lifts a few pieces of, of wood and stuff off something and then goes, hey, there's a whole other corpse in here. Thank you for not looking at one quarter of the floor plan area, firefighters and police, who've already had the time to look at all of this and then call us. So, it's a, it's a burned corpse. For some reason, nobody else could see it. And uh, they pull some stuff off, and it has red shoes on. And then, <gasps> and then all the toes curl up, like I some kind of famous be- witch from a movie. I bet that's going to be explained later, will it? Uh, no, they there is a there is a reference to it where Bones says there is a scientific explanation for that, uh-huh. and then I do not remember ever hearing anything else about it again. Oh. They Am probably, I wrong? Or did they it get probably realized. Or, uh, no, it didn't. They probably realized around minute twenty. They're like, "Ah, oh, shit, we didn't explain that." Ah, well, I forgot what we did. No going back. <laughs> anyway, oh. <laughs> keep writing. We only have twenty three minutes left. Yeah, they just they really they really like tried to tried to make it sound like this was going to be explained, and then they they said in a further 
like a further scene, ah, oh, that that'll get explained, and then they just never explained it. Maybe <laughs> maybe the explanation is um, you know, it's like a metaphor, or uh, maybe it's something we big city folks wouldn't understand. That's true. So um, again, we haven't hit the credits yet. We're off to the lab. We're looking at these corpses. And the in the new corpse, there's like melted insulation on the top of it, sort mm. of like melted styrofoam. Oh, and that and caused it to sparkle as well, because they love doing that. They love finding like, they love being like, oh, we're going to have it do all of the things it does from the stories, but have scientific explanations for the ones we can remember to talk about. Um, yes, if you do remember to talk about them. So, um, so also there was evidence that the wrists were bound. Which is foul play. Mm-hmm. The old bones have signs of having been crushed. And also, they were dug out of a grave at some point. Which <gasps> means it must be time for a little bit of... Early in the show wild for wild speculation. speculation. Uh, so, Clark. Clark is back. And he says, um, these are green stick fractures. Extreme force was applied to the chest, and there is a clean-edged indentation of the spinous processes, L2 and L3. And Bone says, Thoracic crushing combined with the puncture wound, and then, spoken with great certainty, this woman was subjected to a kind of torture that was used in the 17th century. These injuries are consistent with a form of punishment used during the Salem witch trials. And you know what Cam says in response to that. Um... She was a witch? (laughs) Spooky. (sighs) Uh, She was a witch? Now, I feel like we have a, a slightly interesting variation on the Bones theme here, which is that normally what would happen is they would say, you're telling me we found a Frankenstein? Uh, and then right after the credits, someone would say, no, Frankenstein is not real. In this case, they said, hey, she was a witch. And then after this point, there are like witches who, as in people who practice witchcraft and Wiccans and shit like that. But they do never, like, differentiate that uh, this witch was not magical. Because that's the implication that we're getting here, right? Mm-hmm. The implication is we have found a supernatural type of yes. thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and no one really kind of... It's one of these things, right, where I remember a... a- a child's toy was being advertised when I was a, a ween. Um, and the, uh, one, of the, one of the things it said was, you don't even need to be a real magician to use it. Um, and it seems here that there's quite, quite a, much, a bit the same logic where they sort of think that there's like a distinction between a real witch and a normal person. Yeah. So it's all exceedingly silly. Um... So, we're back from the credits, and Angela and Hodgins, who were at the crime scene, are taking some evidence, and they're going back in the car. Uh, uh, I've written oh, here, yes. hey, this there's is... going to be a B-plot about Angela and Hodgins, who cares? Um, but there are also some absolute, like, some real glamour shots 
of the 2009 Prius. It made me sort of sit up in anticipation that we were going to hear about some of the features of the 2009 Prius. Andrew, was I disappointed? Lucky for you. There was a creepy symbol on the chimney, which Angela has taken photos of uh, on her DSLR. And, and Hodgson says, hey, show me. Mm-hmm. And she shows him the photos. And he immediately is, is no longer looking at the road. What should happen next? Yeah, this symbol is very creepy on this chimney. All right, let me see. see. Oh, man. It can be a lot of things. that oh the the prius helps you stay in your lane that's kind of cool that's cool let's do that again the prius with its advanced features helps you stay in the lane that you are driving in yeah the, the prius keeps you from uh talking about social struggles that are unconnected to your own experience god so as a result of this, um, Hodgins is swerving around on the road to uh, show off the features of the Toyota Prius, the 2009 this, Toyota Prius. In this uh, uh, crime show. They're just trying the real to, once crime, again... The real crime is the prices. They're practically giving them away. <laughs> At 2.3% um, APR, maybe you'll be found by the Bones crew for the autopsy of our business when we've died for pricing the products too low. <laughs> so they, um, they, uh, they find, they, they get pulled over by the cop who was just at the crime scene, local sheriff. And he says, sir, have you been drinking? And Hodgins is like, He basically hey, says, sir, I'm here to take you to the B plot. <laughs> Yes, very much. Um, they, they both act like dipshits to him. Angela tries to flirt her way out of it. Um, Hodgins sarcastically says, yes, I have had a lot of drinks. And he goes, cool, get out of the car. Um, he winds up taking them in to jail. Now back at the FBI, um, they are interviewing a guy who wanted to buy the house. They talked earlier about somebody who had been interested in buying the house. Um, A real estate guy with an extremely Italian sounding name. And, oh, wait a minute. Sorry. I've accidentally, I've I've skipped over so many things here. You've skipped over some crucial. Crucial stuff. Please allow me to apologize. I'm I'm going back. Going back. I've missed it. You're doing what the writers of Bones could never do. That's right. Um, so, now we find ourselves in a bar nearby the crime scene. Uh, it turns out that Sweets is there for some reason, and he is a leading expert in the Salem Witch Trials. Remember how last week he was an expert in rock history because the plot required it? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, but he, has, he does these one-week courses on, um, on, on anything he needs to do, and then he always is able to bring like a browsed Wikipedia level of knowledge. Uh, to anything he's looking at. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, he, um, he's like, oh, I actually did my whole thesis or whatever in psychologist school on the Salem Witch Trials. I want to work on the case and be involved. And uh, Booth and the writers said, yes, that seems plausible. So, a mm-hmm. little bit more information. They found out the dead lady was named Sherry Bird. She has a surviving brother. So we're off to the FBI to talk to the brother. 
He wanted to sell the house. She refused. And also, she got into witchcraft big time. <laughs> um, so, oh, this no. is one of those times when, like, the, they, they like to set up and, and diffuse a conflict, like, in the same sentence. Mm-hmm. Well, no, so, you, if, the, if, the, if, the, if you're writing a mystery and the watcher sort of believes something that doesn't end up being the case for too long, then uh, that's not a good mystery. Because you're basically lying. Yeah. Can't have that. Um, so, in this case, um, they bring in the brother and they, they set up the, you know, there was some conflict between them. They weren't really getting along. They weren't talking much anymore. And did, you, he, did you murder her? No. <laughs> no. That, they, that he wanted to sell the house and that she wouldn't. And Booth's like, oh, I bet that made you fucking angry enough to kill her and put her in a cupboard or whatever, right? <laughs> And he says, we no, no, she got into the dark arts. I thought that if she moved back to the city, her mind would go back to normal. You know, uh, cities, that, that place where everybody there has great <laughs> mental health. Yeah. Well, we've already set up that cities here are places that are so removed from nature that you wouldn't know what a crow is. So basically, he just says, um, yeah, some, some guy wanted to buy the house. Uh, we didn't want to buy it. I didn't want to sell the house or whatever. Some guy wanted to buy it. Go and talk to him. Um, again, this is enough for the FBI to say, cool, you are no longer of interest to us. Uh, so now they've brought in the guy who wanted to buy the house. Um, Booth shows him a picture of the house and he's like, oh, ghost house. Oh, yeah. He puts his hat on the house. He pushes it away. Show me the ghost house. Then he puts his, his fedora down over the picture so that he doesn't have to look at it anymore. Spooky house. And Booth's like, Ooh. yeah, you'd, you would feel pretty bad if you murdered that lady. And he's like, hey, pal, uh, here's, here's the, the quote from him. Uh, you couldn't have got me anywhere near that lady, not to kill her, not for anything. She painted this symbol on the bricks on the chimney and inside there was all this spooky stuff. Black candles. The day she cursed me, there was a dead cat laid out on the dining room table. So basically, this guy has to let us sell the house. Um, she puts a curse on him and it makes all of his hair fall out. Yeah. And he proves this by getting out his driver's license and showing it to Booth to say, I used to have hair and now I don't. <laughs> I would love if we ever revisited these two characters, but we don't. We just nope. do not at all. This show is not about revisiting characters. I think we know that by now. Yeah, it's not. So uh, the and the whole the whole idea though also of just like the housing development the police taking seriously they like no that lady cursed me I'd never go near her with anything other than hmm this man seems to be creepily obsessed with this lady and thinks it's her fault that all his hair fell out instead they were just like oh yeah oh he damn him. she made your hair fall out so you're too scared to go near her makes yep. a lot of sense checks out anyway t- time to go continue our murder investigation elsewhere. It's so cool that the extent of the investigation in Bones is to simply ask, did you do it? Did you do it? And no, when they say no, no you're like, all right, no. move. got to keep it moving. Yeah, well. Got to keep it moving. There's a lot of people in this country to ask, did you do the murder? <laughs> so we, um, we will ask all of them. We, we go, well, you, no, you don't have to ask all of them. You just have to ask them until you find one that says yes. Yeah, that's right. And then it's sorted. Yeah. And that's your, that's your murder done. You don't want to just waste time. Oh, but. God. Remember in a couple episodes ago, they set up that Russian mob boss? <laughs> I am so, very interesting character. I, 
I have the power to... <laughs> his superpower was that he could deny when he'd been accused of committing crimes. God. And then, just nothing! Is he gonna come back in some other episode? Maybe. Is that just a, Future is that seasons, it? you know? Oh yeah, so as far as we're concerned, it was just the wildest <laughs> plot hole. So, um... So... Hodgins and Angela are still trying to get out of jail, right? They're talking to this cop again. The same cop who arrested him for fucking around during a traffic stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're saying, you know, hey, hey, buddy, come on. We're, we're doing law stuff too. Um, we're, we're the good guys. We've got all this yeah. evidence. We're trying to solve the matter. And he's like, hey, I have to obey the letter of the law. Um, he, he even says at the very start of the episode when he's introducing some of the characters, he says, oh, my name's whatever the fuck it is, local sheriff. And if the police weren't here, it would be nothing between us and godless chaos. Like he just kind of mentions it out of nowhere. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. I said that at, at the top of our sort of bones segment of the, of the episode. It's like, oh, they're setting up the theme of the B plot here. Otherwise, they wouldn't have said anything. You know, that, that um, the B plot's going to be all about questions of the law. Yeah, which of course we will all wait with bated breath to go somewhere. Yeah, um, um, and also are going to be explored with sort of more of the anything more than like what a year eight civics lesson. Um, so I've I've here in my notes. I feel that the lesson here is that you should obey cops, even if you think you're a good person and you haven't done anything wrong. Uh, yeah, um, because if you don't obey if you don't obey cops today. And there will be sort of free murder. It'll be the purge tomorrow, which is well, an argument um, that gets made in this episode. Um, they, they have they tried to make their arguments to him, and he says no. Uh, so they have to get Cam to come and try and bail them out. While this is happening, and um, Angela and Hodgins are, are kind of rekindling their romance in the jail cell because they're stuck in there a whole bunch. Um, he gives her a shoulder rub because her back is, is sore from sitting on the hard bench and she immediately has like 20 orgasms. That's right. But that, it's that's suddenly fine. the scene from when Harry met Sally, you know? Mm-hmm, that's right. Well, you know, it's, it's all just references to stuff. So I'm sure they were like, the director was like, all right, um, lady who plays Angela. Uh, oh, God, what, is, what was her name? Michelle Conlon. No. Yes. No. Yes. Uh, all right, Michelle Conlon. Um, you now have to do is pretend you're in the scene from when Harry met Sally because you're getting a shoulder rub that is like an orgasm. And then she, they did the reference. You can find out if it is Michelle Conlon or if I'm just making stuff up. Um, so, so Cam arrives and says, oh, you guys look like you're having fun nutting on each other from a shoulder rub. Ah, I was close. Michaela. Michaela. Um, so, so she says to the chef, come on, you can let him out, right? And he says, you are a law enforcement professional, are you not, ma'am? And she says, yes, but... And he cuts her off and says, well, then you know that the law can't be twisted to our will or chaos will ensue. I mean, where does it end? Today, a seemingly minor bench warrant. Tomorrow, we overlook another piece of paper and a murderer goes free. That's literally something Tom Cotton could say. Like... So, so the, the issue at play here is that he has arrested the two of them um, and then pulled both of their rap sheets and found that they both have bench warrants for, like, never showing up over a speeding ticket 
and escaping custody during a a freedom of information protest. Like, I don't understand what a freedom of information protest would be. Like, what the Freedom of Information Act? Like, it's the law. It's been the law for a while. <laughs> it's when you protest and you say, this information, it should be free. Yeah, if you're protesting outside the JSTOR office. So, so basically, this guy's entire argument is like, the law has absolutely no place for discretion. He's Robert Bork. He's basically, he, he's Robert Bork, but as a sheriff. Despite the fact that, as, as we can see all over the place, I mean, you see that psycho shit where judges are like, um, I, I saw a, a, a judge posting a thing on social media the other day that was like, I had a young offender in here and I, I told them that they had to prove to me that they had voted and I wouldn't send them to prison. It's just like judges are capable of doing like incredibly discretionary sentencing and like ridiculous stuff. And anybody who thinks that the police aren't constantly exercising discretion, often in an extremely like biased way, is a huge idiot. But mm-hmm. so this guy's argument is basically, hey, if I were to let go of these people who are actively involved in solving a murder in my own county over a speeding fine from like 10 years ago or whatever. Next thing you know, it's lawless chaos and somebody's doing a murder. Yeah. And, well, and also, you, you, also you, you ask yourself like what the ideological function of shows like Bones is. is. It's the stuff you watch when you turn off your brain or whatever, or it's fun stuff you watch. But it's, this, it's, it's things that structure your conception of what normal is, you know? So you, you, just, you begin, so what it does is it, it puts the, it, it plants these ideas in your mind, or TV like this plants ideas in your mind of what the police are, for example, or what they do, or what the function of the law is. And then it means that when someone comes up to you and says, actually, in reality, it's the opposite of all those things, they're not sort of just informing you on a blank slate. They're, they're, fight, they're fighting against this common sense ideology that you believe and you don't know you believe and you don't know why you believe it, but it just feels true. If you want to know why things feel true, you know, look no further than just a lot of the assumptions that are baked into mass culture and popular culture and things like that. Well, in this case, it's very funny because this guy basically just talks over the top of everybody to say, no, no, there is the letter of the law. And I will obey that and, and exercise no discretion. Otherwise, it's absolute godless chaos. Mm. And Cam comes back over to the cell and says, hey, I can't do anything. It was like arguing with one of the founding fathers. Right, As though this guy has actually it. made any kind of compelling or coherent argument about anything. Well, it was just convenient for the writers, I think, to be like, well, we're not gonna, we have to leave them in jail, which means we have to make this guy a verbal mastermind. None of us are a verbal mastermind, so we're going to have to make everyone else very easily impressed. Yeah. So, um, and, that, and that is a, a recurring theme throughout this, is that as this guy is completely unreasonable about the situation at hand, everybody who interacts with him says, wow, you are really admirable due to your convictions. So, Bones of Booth have got some info on the local witch chapter. <laughs> And have gone out there to check it out. This is this is absolutely fantastic. Again, just the writers just sort of hearing about something and then just spinning up as a kind of fantasy version of what that is. Yeah, they go. Let let's just do like a a Wicker Man type uh, dancing around the bonfire kind of thing. Um, um, 
Okay, so what, what we have is uh, they find this by looking up their, their, their website, and then Booth says, witches have websites? I love the internet. Witch hunt tonight? <laughs> All right. You bring the candles, I'll bring the broomstick. Just cool. Just throwing witch-themed dialogue at the script. Like, if you think about that, right? Witches have websites? I love the internet. That adds nothing. They already know they're looking at a website. Also, that's like a 2003 insight. Uh, witch hunt tonight? Sure, fine. You bring the candles, I'll bring the broomstick. Neither of Now, not only do they not bring that, fine, they're speaking figuratively, but I don't understand what. Do you bring a broomstick to a witch hunt? Like, again, they, they feel like they forgot what they wrote two lines ago. Are you hunting the witch or are you a witch now? Which yeah, one? Come is- on. Come on, guys, clear it up. So, like, they, they observe these witches um, dancing around and stuff, burning some little effigies, and then they all pull off their robes and have a dance. Mm-hmm. And uh, Booth takes this opportunity to say, "Yuck! I hate it when ugly people get naked. It's very cool." Then you see all of them, and they're all like TV hot. Yeah. So I'm not sure what he was complaining about, but um, strange thing to me here, right, is that they I think they it's watch- a case where the writers and the casting directors didn't talk. Yeah. <laughs> they um, I want middle aged, uh, middle aged soccer mom witches, please. I want dumpy witches. <laughs> I'd like witch. I'd like witches, like the like actual, like real ones. So, so there's a really weird moment to me here, right? They're they're watching all of the. They are covertly from the bushes watching this witch activity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of these ladies pull all their clothes off and and continue doing their thing. We then just have like a weird transition where it kind of zooms in on the fire, and then suddenly. It's just Bones and Booth talking to two of the witches who are clothed again in their robes and just kind of standing there out in the scrub, like, interrogating these two. And it just made me feel like they just cut several whole scenes out. Mm. Like, how did we get here? How did they How do they find these two? Did they, like, grab them as they were walking back to their cars afterwards and say, we have some questions? We've been well, lurking in the bushes? It's, it's, the, it's the same as last time. There are the two that talk. Because there are the two that got paid more than the others who are technically extras. Ah, except I have a note here, right? Uh-huh. So, so the blonde witch, there's a blonde witch and a brunette witch. And the blonde okay. witch is doing all the talking and telling them that the, the woman who got murdered in the house was bad because she, she used witchcraft for evil, she used it for profit, she used it for the wrong reasons. Um, the brunette witch is silent but making some faces. And that makes me think that we're, she's going to be relevant later, right? Because they've, mm-hmm. they've clearly paid her to be featured in a scene, but she hasn't done her lines yet. Is, is she much, relevant later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much like, um, much like in the previous episode with the rock and roll camp, where it's like, oh, you are the two people from the rock and roll camp who got to speak in front of the camera, so you will be instrumental in the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. That's when of, I was like, what? oh. That's when I was like, okay, well, they're the murderers. Yeah, one of them got interviewed and said in, in the last episode and said, I didn't do the murder, which meant it was the other guy who did the murder. Um, although, you know what? This reminds me of additional. This is all just like, this is, this is a roundup of all the favorite things we've loved about Bones because this is the third to last episode, I believe, um, where they're like, can remember? And so, this I think like 12 episodes ago when we talked with Tom Walker. Um, where there was like there was the the insane asylum with the lady at it who was like I'm the Archangel Michael or whatever, um, and they just gave her the instruction of 
act wide-eyed and crazy as possible. And they give the same instruction to these witches who all talk like they're sort of whispering from an ethereal plane. Where it's like, we were celebrating the end of Sephira's corporeal life. Um, sadly, she was known to perform magics for profit with human relics. It's like, you know, an actual witch probably just like, I don't know, wants to talk about how much rent she's paying in Brooklyn or whatever. Like, there is no real, there's no reasonable, there's, there's no one who talks like this except by, in the imaginations, the writers of Bones, who've never been outside the writer's room. I think a lot of uh, any real witches would probably be very embarrassed to talk to the police about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it, it definitely made me go, okay, this lady's going to be relevant because she's clearly paid for a speaking role. She has not done any speaking yet. Mm-hmm. Um, back in jail, Hodgins and Angela continue bonding in that wonderful place that we should all spend some time if we want to grow closer to someone. Jail. Yeah. A j- well, there are several jail theme bars in central London now. There's, w- there's one called Alcotraz, and you go in, and everyone's that is dressed fucked up. Yeah, and everyone's dressed. It's near me too. It sucked. Everyone's dressed like prison officers, and you get like searched as you go in, and then like it, it is fully it is supposed to be the jail experience but that you can have like you know 12 pound cocktails at sucks that is very cooked in my in my opinion my humble opinion it's it's a combination of it's but you know why because it's 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 the thing that i sort of you know i guess started hating when i kind of became more you know politically aware or whatever but it's also the thing that i've always hated which is cringe (laughs) <laughs> they did post cringe um so sweets so, sweets is still like geeking out over the witch stuff and he thinks yeah. that he can identify the the old dead witch from the salem witchcraft trial transfer. why he would do that i don't know um so back in the, back in the lab slash jail because now they're they're teleconferencing to the jail oh yeah i also love that they're like yeah we're gonna have to use this old coleco vision but then at the CRT screen, but in a rural prison that just got, quote, the internet, but then they're able to have like a perfect 4K streaming video call. Yeah. Upon which, in 2009, they're able Probably. in 2009 to have a perfect 4K streaming call where Hodgins is able to identify a prehistoric bug in Amber by looking at it. <clears throat> so, so at this point, we... um. We now go through a classic bone scenario in record time, right? They're, they have found some amber uh, in the fire, and it has preserved in it a bug and some hair. Uh, they also found a news story, and the hair doesn't look like the dead witch's hair. They found a news story about a husband who got dumped, and the wife in the picture is wearing the very wedding dress that the spooky ghost is wearing. <laughs> So they drag in the husband who says, hey, I willingly gave my hair, which they never took out of the amber or examined or anything like that, uh-huh. um, and my, ex- my bitch ex-wife's wedding dress to Zephira, the bad witch. Uh, okay, I gotta say, I love this, sec- this section because like, they, it, it's like they got like a Pennsylvania Trump voter in who is like, yeah, I gave my witch that, I gave my witch that hair for my bitch ex-wife. Where it's like fucking it's, stupid bitch ex <laughs> which is oh. a great thing to say if you want to convince anybody that you are not thinking about doing a murder but also just like the fact they, they got this guy who definitely looks he looks like, like like someone who lives in Harrisburg Pennsylvania or whatever like rural Pennsylvania 
to come in and do normal rural Pennsylvania stuff, like complain about his ex-wife, but then talk seriously about a witch in magic. So, so again, we explain away here. Um, I have a vested interest in this. I am very angry at my ex-wife. I paid this woman thousands of dollars to put a hex on her. It didn't do anything. I'm also a very angry white man, but mm-hmm. I didn't kill her. And they're like, cool. But they found a knife in his truck. And if it matches any of the knife wounds on the dead body, you're going down, pal. And I put in my notes, I bet we never hear from this guy again. And did we ever hear from this guy again? Nope. <laughs> no, Flip. we don't. We never hear from anyone again except the obvious criminals. They, they, not, like, they don't rule out this guy or anything. They don't say, we examined the knife and it did not match the wounds. It's just, goodbye. Yep, they're just That's like, it. well, we asked him and he said he didn't. So, if he did, he would have told us. I don't know, I would anyway. So, time to move on. He's not uh, that one guy jail. who's famous. He's not the one guy who's famous for being able to lie to the police. Yeah, the one, the one extremely professional criminal who was able to lie to the police. Um, it's his secret weapon. It's our kryptonite. Uh, so back in jail, uh, Hodgins and Angela are having a kissy kissy. Mm-hmm. And we're off to the diner. Sweets. He's rushing in there and he's like, I think I've identified the dead old witch. Okay, Only point, one Salem it. witch. Sorry. So at this point, I paused the episode to look how far in we were. And I was like, oh, yeah, they're about to find the murderer. <laughs> <laughs> Only one Salem witch has died in the way in which they've described, which is very convenient for the writers of the TV show. Mm-hmm. And anyway, her grave was dug reality, up six but months that guy ago. Was a, uh, that's true in reality, but that was a, a man who died by, in this way. <laughs> so, um, so, like, this, this person's grave was dug up six months ago. Sweets has done a very, very long intergenerational family tree, and lo and behold, they have tracked down the quiet brunette witch from earlier who didn't do her lines. <gasps> uh, and then they drag her in and say, did you do it? And she says, no. Which I, I, I was like, I guess that rules her out. Yeah, I guess that rules her out. So back in the lab, they do a final bit of wild speculation. By saying, hey, uh, this lady's only five foot two, so she couldn't have been tall enough to inflict these injuries. Sure, why not? No one's ever stood in a step. Yep. Yeah. No one's ever knocked somebody down, anything like that. No. Nope. Uh, they then say, hey, there was a bunch of different entry points for these wounds. Once again, we're choosing to look at the body for the first time <laughs> five minutes from the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're out of ideas from our sort of, you know, hair speculation and, and, and you know, crazy assumptions. Why don't we do what we do? Why don't we look at the body? Every episode, we, we question all of our leads, and then we come back, and if we, if we exhaust all of those, we come back and look at the body a second time. Then we go and question all of the leads coming out of that, and if that doesn't get us anywhere, we come back and we look a third time. Yeah, exactly. That's how policing works. <laughs> look at the body occasionally. You glance at it, but you only get 30 seconds. That's the rule. It's like Among Us. So, so basically, they wind up determining that there's a whole bunch of wounds in this woman in the shape of a pentagram. I don't, again, I don't know how you could determine that. Um, nope. I don't know how uh, any of that, it's, maybe they're just a sort of circle of five wounds. I don't know how that becomes a pentagram. It could also just easily be a circle. 
Um, uh, and they say, oh, I guess it was the whole coven that murdered her. <laughs> yep, that's enough. Yep, because this one was too small and there are many other wounds. I look as it was the coven. Case closed. And then, um, and then fucking Clark is like, hey, I, I did look at that dust that was in the big circle around the house and it has like an LS, a powdered LSD fungus in it. Sure, it's what not? made all of them afraid of Zephyr the Witch. So what we've done is we, in our crime show, we have identified the uh, motive. We have identified the motive, which is they were crazy on some naturally occurring LSD, and the method, which is they stabbed her like a pentagram in the last two minutes of the show, all at once. And also, it wasn't their fault. Yeah. So this is now for some reason I I feel like I missed something here. But like, they they confront all of the witches simultaneously, and they all confess simultaneously at the FBI. I'm like, yes. what the fuck are you all doing there, getting out of the elevator at once? Yeah, also, surely they would take those statements individually, not just as a coven. So instead, Sweets and and Booth and and Bones all explain it to them. Sweet says. That powder had LSD fungus in it. It's what made you afraid of Zephyr. You thought that her obsession with the black arts could destroy you. And Bone says you also knew that she had uh, this lady's ancestors' bones on her side. And Booth says, you're good witches. You're nice people. You don't lie. But when you make a mistake, you want to make that mistake right, right? Uh, causing an immediate confession from the lady mm-hmm. who didn't confess before. She says, we were just trying to help. We wanted Zephyr to live in harmony, but she kept cursing at us and casting spells. <laughs> we, were, we were just trying to restore the balance. She sound, sounds like a sort of blue tick journalist when you, sort of, when you reply to them on Twitter. Ah, you're casting a spell on me. Ah, my balance. <laughs> it's legal for me to, to kill you now. Ah. I'm trying to preserve this balance. Yeah, I so, love that. Um, I had that written down. Zephira kept cursing at us and casting spells. <laughs> like what she was like, hey, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> ah. So um so back at the jail, Angela and Hodgins are now getting married. By the way, this the marriage can cop. be traced directly to the stay in your lane functionality on the 2009 Toyota Prius. Thank you, Toyota, for all you have done for us. Um there is a reference to there's a reference but not the reveal of Angela's weird name from her Texan father and they also do not reveal that her father is a member of the band ZZ Top. Yeah, that's right. That is revealed in a subsequent season which we will not be watching. No. Or previous, which equally we will not be watching. That's right. Anyone saying, oh, they're definitely gonna do season six of Bones. No, wrong. we will not. Wrong. wrong. <laughs> You're absolutely wrong. And to everyone else suggesting uh, we do another crime procedural, no, we have a different plan. Wrong. <laughs> wrong. You're so, wrong um, now, back at the Founding Fathers, we've got to wrap it up. Uh, Booth is saying, hey, they were all nice people who just happened to stab a lady to death. Did he indict them for murder? I, it's very unclear. Who could say? Would they all get indicted for murder? Do you have to prove which of them actually did any stabbing? Yeah, These are not questions try? that this show is interested in answering. Yeah, that's right. Nope. He's just like, come on, you want to do the right thing. Anyway, they did the right thing, whatever it was. And then you just say, turns out, the whole coven did it. And you, turn, you dust your hands and turn around and leave. The whole coven did it, but uh, it's not their fault because they were tripping balls on some naturally occurring LSD. Now, if they did the LSD on purpose, that would be a different story entirely. 
Um, but that would make the law confusing, and that we are not here to do that. That's right. So um, Booth has a little effigy of bones, a little tiny effigy of bones that he was given by the witches. And they told indicted him it, for murder? Yep. Oh, and they've told him the that if he, Here's a gift. if he burns it and makes a wish for her, that it'll come true. So he burns it and says to her, I made a wish for you to find happiness. And she does a bonesism and says, I don't know what that means. Come on. Fuck off. Fuck you, bones. Fuck you, bones. And, uh, and then I guess after all of that, the main sort of... Uh, main sort of part of the episode narratively that we had been leaning on this whole time was, I guess, leading up to making some kind of statement about, like, the balance between uh, law and order, right and wrong, uh, trust, flexibility, discretion, all of these things. Nope. We only got 42 minutes. Yeah. No, we're going to... All of that leads to a marriage. Thank you. Uh, well, yeah, I guess actually if there's anything we can take away from that, it is that um, thank you, Mr. Policeman, for imprisoning us for an excessive amount of time on some very old bench warrants because it allowed us to rekindle our romance. And exactly. Everyone important? who says abolish the police is abolishing romance. That's right. What's the matter? You don't like romance? You know? And that is it for episode 20 of season five of Bones. Oh, I'm going to be sad when it's all over. Yeah. It's getting close. Getting Indeed. close. Getting very close. But until then, we've got a few left to go, and mm-hmm. we will read them to you next time. Exactly. You better savor these. Savor them. Sip them like savor. the fine wines that they are. Yeah, sip the bone. <laughs> sip that all bone right. juice, baby. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.